Welcome to The Observer Effect, a podcast of travel stories. Each week we hope to bring you a conversation with someone we meet overseas and at least one good story. Episode 124, Beyond the Beyonds, Limerick, where Frank grew up. During the Great Depression, in the 1930s, Frank McCourt's parents moved his family back to Ireland from New York, where he had been born just a few years before. The story of their sinking deeper into poverty there, living in Limerick, became his memoir, Angela's Ashes, a book which I love because of my love for Ireland. My favorite writer, Primo Levi, says that telling stories is sure medicine, Raccontare è una medicina sicura. You can feel the healing in Frank's storytelling as he revisits a painful childhood. I went to the Frank McCourt Museum in Limerick and met its founder, the incomparable Una Heaton, who gave me a whirlwind tour of his old schoolhouse, which now houses various scenes from his most famous book that she has painstakingly recreated with the help of fans from all over the world. Have you read the book? Yes, I just oh, finished a couple of days ago. Oh, so it's you're fresh. Familiar with this? Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> um, hi, this is actually created the living conditions of how they lived. <laughs> and when Malachi, that's Frank's brother, came, he to open it officially, they didn't have a sink. He says they didn't have a luxury sink. They used the outside tap from the street. So this is actually this is actually the school where Frank went to school. Yeah. And these rooms would have been the teachers' offices and whatever. And um, my husband's father bought the building in 1956 mm. when it was ceased to be a school, and he turned into a menswear factory making menswear suits. Mm. And some of the employees went to school here. Yeah. And actually, in fact, I show you a photograph downstairs of Cyril, who was the Irish dancer. Who was Frank was talking about in his book went to Irish dancing, yes. but didn't go to Irish dancing, went to the cinema yes. and bought toffee. Yeah. So um, and he didn't like Frank because he made him out to be a sissy with the skirt. So he's he worked here for his life and he went to school. So he never left the building. So this is typical of how they would have lived. These are the cigarettes that Angela would have smoked, the Woodbine. Woodbines, yeah. And the Guinness represents his father, which was the love of the Guinness. And this is a newspaper printed in 1938, um, when Frank was eight. They used to put um, newspaper on the table as a tablecloth, and by putting ta- paper upon paper, it turned to timber, a solid piece of um, tablecloth, unusually so. So this is actually the pig's head that they had for Christmas dinner, right? A delicacy. <laughs> and there's an expression in Limerick is how do you eat a pig's head? You grab it by the ears and eat the face off it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have behind you is Angela smoking her cigarette at the fireplace with one of the babies. And that's her red coat that she would have worn, you said, typical red coat. And as you see, this is actually typically of the pram they would have used also. The pram was their only mode of transport. Mm-hmm. When they were evicted for not paying rent, everything would collapse and go onto the bed, the pram, the, pe- the bed, what mere pos- positions they've had. But they'd, uh, ordinary, more often than not, the wheel would fall off the, the, uh, the uh, what you call it, the pram. 
but this is a typical type of pram they would have used yeah, and this yeah, is the tub that they've washed in and they've also washed their clothes and there's an expression don't throw the baby out with bath water but they never got the lollipops the people that went out so in Ireland around the 1930s up to recently we were very religious and there were statues and there's holy pictures everywhere you probably saw them in your travels, yeah. here, oh in yeah. houses oh and yeah. things. Sure. But they're, they're sort of changing their views now because they're allowed to think for themselves. Mm. We were a lot sort of held by the Catholic Church. So this is typical of how they lived. And if you remember in the book, the father had a great wish about him and a very interesting brain. That's all he gave them, the art of imagination, I suppose. He imagined they were full of food every night, but they weren't. And he decided, because the sewage was coming in under the door, because they were living right beside the toilet, meant for everybody in the street, he decided to bring them up to Little Italy. So we're going up to Little Italy. And this bike was in the making of the movie. Oh, wow. So I did everything here. Actually, everything that's here, people have been bringing things in for me, and so much so they should refuse it, because they had nothing, yeah. see? And these are the type of conditions they would have lived in, the beds with the army coats, because they lived beside the base of the army, mm. so they would get coats, cast-offs, mm. and they had no such thing as sheets. Mm. The only time Frank experienced sheets was when he went to hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are the fleas on my trapeze. <laughs> People are stealing my fleas, it's terrible, isn't it? And this picture of Pope Leo XIII, if he was off the wall when Frank came home from school, meant they were on the move, they had no money for the rent. So every time Frank saw him on the wall, it meant they were staying put. They had money, right? And that toy, Frank played with his boy. Um, his friend's father made it, Billy Campbell, who was at school with him. He made it and he said, you should have that because Frank used to play with that. And then you have the cases that they'd use to leave during the night if they had no money for the rent. And this is the type of um, medicine they'd use for t worms. They, didn't have, they weren't very clean because they didn't wash very well. And they'd have worms from dirt and they'd have fleas and stuff. So this is the disinfectant soap. <laughs> Yeah, wow. <laughs> see, they were bitten alive yeah. by the fleas. Yeah. So, and this is the the cod liver oil that the father would drink the next day after his bout of, of drinking Guinness. So that was settle his tummy for the next night, you know. So this is typical of how they would have lived, yeah. you know, and the wallpaper and the holy pictures and the holy statues and things. And this is a mural I did of the people I grew up in the lane with Frank. And you can be a bit of fun here, because Frank's book was very witty. Put yeah. your head here. I mean the pram. <laughs> a lot of people like this, you know, because it's sort of there is a lot of humour in Frank's book, and there's been a lot of misery, and he he writes it so well that um, you can afford a bit of humour, I think, you know. <laughs> but everybody that comes up here, they say, um, "Where's the shower?" You know, the kids, for instance, "Where's the shower? Where's the bathroom?" You know, there's the bathroom under the right. under the bed, the potty, you know. Yeah. And somebody brought me in those pair of shoes. And I had them in my hand for a while. I was chatting the witch and thanking very much for the shoes. Next thing, a mouse, a dead mouse was in it. I nearly <laughs> died. You know, oh, I, you know, he was a skeleton of a mouse. He was there for years, I'd say. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to ask any questions? Yeah, actually. So, tell me how you decided to make this. Well, because um, first of all, we owned the building, and a room became vacant. A big room downstairs became vacant where the classroom is. And I convinced my husband to let me have it as a gallery. 
So we had a, we had a great idea to have a co-op of a gallery mm. that all the artists involved in the group would actually hang their work and they'd have to pay no percentage or whatever commission. So that was working fine. And then other artists that would come in would actually pay a commission. That's the way we'd make money. Mm. But being artists, they never appeared and they disappeared and they came back and whatever. And I said, gee, what's the point of me doing this, you know, working for them? And they would promote their work when they were here, sort of thing. So it got very stupid. Mm. So then I decided it makes sense to have a museum to Frank. Yeah. Because he went to school here. Yeah. But if, tragically, Frank was supposed to come open the exhibition for me, the gallery, but he was too ill to travel because I met Frank we divert a bit away, I'm desperate for jumping. We'd met Frank when he was writing the book outside the building, we were introduced to him. And he said, really? yeah, this guy, a friend of ours said, this guy's writing a very good book. <laughs> and Frank came in and it was Frank's first time to the main door. When he was wow. at school here, he was only allowed to the side door. Yeah. You know, you see his footprints down below, I've put footprints there. So the kids were allowed in only to the side door and teachers were allowed in to the front door. And when he came in, he said, give me a minute, you know, because he had to absorb the emotion coming through the front door. So we brought him around all the building. He was telling us great stories. <laughs> Peter, we didn't record it, but we didn't realise it, you know. Yeah. And then he came back. I was heading up um, Children in Need, um, charity thing. He came back and did a walk for Angel's Ashes. But nobody actually realised it was Frank McCourt until about people would be touching <laughs> and then there'd be people behind me and we had 10 people and we'd back to be 100 people behind us like Pipe Piper so he did a great walk and he did a talk back in the place and we had lunch and stuff then we became friends he was writing to us and he was came for the movie he came for um, being conferred in the University of Limerick an honorary doctor of literature and we were invited to these things and then I had an exhibition in New York in 2002 and he opened it for me and I have lovely letters, but I can't find the letters. <laughs> Sometime I find them. So it evolved that way yeah. that I felt that his presence was so much in this building that I said, why not open a museum to him? And I went on a limb and I did it myself with no finance from anybody. Wow. Yeah, stress anybody. So I've done it all myself and I'm sort of struggling, but it's, it's, it's worth it, you know, yeah. because people like you coming in it's absolutely, great absolutely people come all over the world yeah. it's like a homage yeah. like there was a woman there one day and she was crying on the steps and I thought gosh she didn't fall and I was going to sue me <laughs> but she was so emotional about being here yeah 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 which is amazing you know yeah. so it became sort of I did the um, the school room first and I had only one school desk then I got more school desk more clocks and things people bringing in stuff from the old school maps and things it was great. <laughs> then these rooms became vacant and I convinced my husband to put a bed in here. I said, are you turning into a bed and breakfast? <laughs> so I said, no, there'll be no, there'll be bed but no breakfast. I said, no food. <laughs> then I'd put the beds there and then I'd bits and pieces, you know, and he evolved and the wallpapering. And I was taking off the wallpaper because there are boys here, you yeah. see what I mean? And John, my husband said, geez, don't take any more wallpaper off, he said. It'd be terrible, he said. But I said they were boys, you know, <laughs> fine, you know. Yeah. And there's a great story in the book, you probably read it, where the landlord came to collect the rent mm -hmm. and there was only one room. <laughs> and that's why I did the two wallpapers, you yeah. see, people get confused. And they said, what? And the mother said, you only gave us one room. <laughs> no, he definitely rented two rooms. 
And Frank then pipes up and says, we burnt it in the fire. <laughs> they took down the division and burnt it in the fire to keep warm. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, it's a very funny book. It really is, you know. Yeah. But um, there were people here yesterday and said, the, fra- the floor is very authentic. Is that the real floor? I said, no, I painted it. I saw the people walking and it admitted wow, they painted it. Wow. Which is great, That's isn't fantastic. it? That's fantastic, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It looks like the real thing, doesn't it? it? You, you called this Little Italy, but can you explain for anyone who's listening reason, what that well, means? The reason being is this is the living conditions. The kitchen was where we just came from. And uh, the father was obsessed with not cleanliness or tidiness, but keeping his kids alive and warm, probably. But he, he, it was a one-up, one-down, it's called, one-bedroom, a, a kitchen downstairs and a bedroom upstairs. That was all, no bathrooms, whatever. And um, he, the sewage, the house was built such a way that it was down at the end of a lane. And that was the last house at the end of the lane. And the outside toilet for everybody in the street, everybody. So when the sewage overflowed, it flowed in under this door of their kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, was worse was because the um, right beside the loo was a horse stable, and you can imagine the stench and the flies during the summer. So I mean, it was just so they decided to move upstairs, and it was nice and dry. And the father decided to call it Little Italy. <laughs> so I thought it's very appropriate, isn't it? So <laughs> when people come from Little Italy or Italy and they want to see Little Italy, wow, people, what does not Disneyland like Little Italy? The reason being it's warm and dry, yeah. so that's where the sense of humour is, you know. Yeah. But it's um, a lot of people come here and they want to be left alone for a few minutes yeah. because they realise their grandparents' house could be like this. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people in Lyric didn't like the book when it came out first. Well, I was going to ask. Yeah. I mean, did you encounter any trouble oh, making God, a museum? When I, was, when I was setting up the museum, I'd have a lot of people coming in and say, it was all lies. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they wouldn't even have read the book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said to them, did you read the book? No, but it's all lies. Right? So I said, read the book and get your own opinion rather than listening to other people. But a lot of people didn't want to be reminded of the charity and the poverty and the misery. Mm. Whereas in 1930, 29, there was Wall Street crash. Yeah. There was poverty everywhere in the world. You yeah. know, there was Germany, there was Italy, there was everywhere. And people that come here from all over the world remember their grandparents' houses like this. Mm. I mean, there was four in a bed. So we had four in a bed. Our bed took up the whole room. And we had friends <laughs> staying as well. You know, there was about eight people one night in our yeah, bed, yeah. you know. Fun. It was great fun, you know. But, um, no, a lot of people are coming around now in Limerick. Mm. A lot of people are coming inside. So, oh, this is it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You wrote a very good book, you know. <laughs> and it's beginning. It took a while, I tell you. Because a lot of people would be outside the gate and saying, why do you want to set up a museum to Frank McCord? He told nothing but lies, <laughs> you know. But he only wrote a, a book, a memoir. You know, I mean, he didn't kill anybody. You know, they were actually really tearing out the book and everything, you know. I said, that's ridiculous, for God's sake. It's only a book, you know. Would you do that to the Bible? They're only stories as well, I'd say. Well, that's different now. No, that's different. But it was, it's just a story, and he wrote it so well. I mean, the amount, it's translation to 48 different languages. Wow. You know, it's good as the Bible, really, isn't it? And when you would talk with him, did he have the same way of talking where it was oh, the yeah. same charisma, I imagine. He actually, um, there was an air about him, very yeah. relaxed air, but he was a great storyteller. Yeah, like yeah. At the time now he was going to open my exhibition in New York, he said to me, now Una, I won't be able to give you much time because I'm very busy. God, I understand that Frank delights you opening it. 
five o'clock in the morning he left us standing on the table singing New York, New York. <laughs> so I mean, that sort of thing. And he spent a long time talking to my daughter, who was only 19 or something at the time. She was in New York with us. And he spent about two hours. It was lovely to see that man I took no photographs. I just, it's amazing the time I had with Frank. I never actually took photographs. Yeah. I never, you know, I didn't think. I thought I might be intruding on him, probably. Sure. But I felt that um, he gave great time to Emma. And my daughter was a great spoofer. She must like be like me. Um, <laughs> she, she was discussing the book. Yeah. And I said to her, what were you talking about all night with Frank? And the book. What book? Anxious Ashes. But you never read it. I know, but I could, I could work it out, she said. <laughs> <laughs> From listening to you, she I think I've read about 20 times. <laughs> but she's never read it, you know? And she could carry on a full blown conversation with Frank about what detail was missing. And, oh my God, Emma. We had one very fun, we had a few very funny things here. We've had ghost hunters, the field of places yeah. with ghosts, right? Yeah. We have loads of different stories. I'm writing a book actually about the museum, my yeah. museum. Yeah. But we, we were opening this door one day and we couldn't get in because this is always open. And we couldn't get in and we heard a voice inside. So we said, it must be tourists inside. So we eventually, they opened the door from the inside. It turned out to be two winos. You know, why those clumps inside the bed? Can the person not get a sleep around here, he said. What? He wandered up and went to bed. The two of them went to bed. They were fast asleep in the bed. <laughs> so you, didn't, you never know who's coming here, you know, wow. visitors. So that's, um, I think it was art installation, you know, it was real yeah. life, you know. Yeah. But um, you do get very interesting characters who come here and uh, they give us their stories and things. And they cry as well because they feel, you know, they've been through it. But it's 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 lovely because um, it gives you hope. Yeah. You know that you've done something yeah, in yeah. Frank's name. You see, and I didn't do it for glory. I did it because I wanted to do it. Yeah. And I'm a very headstrong person. That if I do something, I'll see it through. So um, so it's it's great. You know. Yeah. So do you want to ask any more? Yeah. Questions? Two two more questions. Uh, so. Has opening this museum changed you in any way, do you think? Um, I'd say it's maybe more talkative, probably. Really? If that's possible, my husband would say. <laughs> but it's, um, it's changed me. It's changed for lots of reasons. One particular reason is you don't get help to yeah. do it. Yeah. You go out and do it yourself. Don't wait for somebody to help you because that will never happen. Yeah. Right? thing is, go and do it. If you have a, if you have a feeling, gut feeling about something, do it. Yeah. But I've always been like that, really. You know, so <laughs> changed me. It's changed me in a way that a lot of people are very cynical. Mm. They promise you the earth, mm. you know. Mm. And I know now at this stage I just let it go over my shoulder because a lot of people say, we're going to help you. You're definitely going to help you. But it never happens. So, yeah. I mean, I just plot along, you know. Yeah. And they say, what about the future? I don't really think about the future because if you did, you'd go mad. <laughs> you know, you really would. You think, oh, this won't be here or... I won't be able to afford it to, to run it anymore. But I don't think like that. Because that's fatalistic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of uh, ending a time <laughs> where I don't like to end stuff. You know, I think it's just dreamland out there. It'll go on forever. <laughs> but it doesn't go on forever. But I just hope it'll go on for my lifetime. Yeah. And I just hope there will be a future after it. Because I'd hate to see it closed. I would yeah. hate to see it closed. Because... Yeah. You set up a gym and it'd be hard, wouldn't it, to see it closed? Absolutely. You know, 
and uh, we get a lot of good reports which makes it uplifting it makes it all worthwhile yeah like so um Th- this is one of the best museums i've seen in our travels this is amazing it's, crazy. it's amazing yeah, it's crazy it's so authentic yeah. well that's a lot of people come here they feel it's just so especially if you read the book yeah you know it's like going to watch a movie and then read the book or vice versa it's it's a living museum nearly because we have people here talking about frank's book and reading from frank's book yeah and s- kids that have been in school with their grand old people now They've been at school, Frank. They come in and they sit here and they tell stories oh, and it's brilliant. Oh, I'd love to record them. You, you know, need because, to. You need to yeah, do some sessions. Yeah, we're doing one now because uh, Malachi's son, that's the only brother that's alive, living, his son, is, two sons are coming here in two weeks' time and they're going to do readings from the book. Wow. We're going to have, it's called a session. Yeah. We're going to have music and stuff. So it'll be nice. Wow, I'm sad we missed that. Yeah. That's great. But we'll record it and send it to Please, you. Please, yeah. But actually, Connor is um, Frank's nephew and he actually came here and he was very emotional as well because I show his stuff in the, in the museum, the classroom now, because it's a, it's very, I get very emotional about it because uh, it's, it's great to have it, you know. I do, and I can see a day when I'd be walking away from it probably, but not for the near future anyway. Okay, one more question about Frank. Uh, So my podcast is about travel and how it changes people, and I'm fascinated by his having come to Ireland as an Irish person who was born in America. Yeah. I mean, obviously he talks about that in the book, but can you talk about that experience? The reason he came back from America, he was only four, he had no option. His parents were bringing it back because her parents were paying for her rent in America and they couldn't afford it anymore. They said, listen to it. He was never working, the father. He'd rent one week and not rent another week. And they were looking for cousins to subsidize them or whatever. So the baby girl died and they Mm. decided, listen, they'll go back to Ireland. So they came to Belfast and to his house because he's from Belfast. But the mother wouldn't put up with him because it's four children and he'd no work and he was just letting her there and he'd go off drinking and stuff. So he said, listen, this is not on. But um, Frank then came here back to Limerick to her grandparents or his grandparents and they put up with him for a while, but then they gave him money for rent. And it was non-stop, you see. Again, she was calling him lazy, Presbyterian, whatever. And hair that wouldn't stay down when it was combing it, that sort of thing. <laughs> but um, she decided she couldn't afford to feed them or whatever anymore. So they were in poverty all the time, you know. They, they just didn't have any money. Yeah. And Frank, I say the first opportunity... Frank was very different in school here, seemingly, because a lot of people that come in and talk about Frank... He was very uh, much a loner mm. and he, he was very um, focused about what he wanted to do. And the teachers even, one of the teacher's sons was giving lectures here and he can remember the teacher bringing home essays of Frank's, reading them to his family, wow. saying that this boy is going to be a genius, <laughs> even at the age of six and seven and eight. I mean, this great essay he wrote there at age 11, that he wrote it so well, the, the teacher thought his father wrote it, brought yeah. the father in. He said, no, I didn't. But Frank then, of course, the story of his book and the story of him um, going to America. He didn't really write the book fully until he was late in his life, you know. And his third wife decided, Ellen, you should publish that book, you know. And only for her, he'd never have published it. Because it was just notes and things. So he came back a few times to Ireland to do 
Reiki's and stuff and just to get the feeling of where he's been and stuff and um, he f- a lot of love for Limerick yeah. even though he had a hard upbringing he felt that Limerick was his home mm. you know and well he spent his best formative years in Limerick and he got his best education probably here formative thing but he actually um, his love was Limerick yeah. you know he did go to the States. He went then to join the army. And, of course, the army in America educates you if you want to go through. He went to Germany, I think, as a Marine, I think. And he was educated there. And then he went teaching at night. He had ups and downs, though. He had a lot of ups and downs. He hit the drink as well. Yeah. You know, they all hit the drink, all the brothers, you know. But um, then he came around. And um, he had only one daughter of the first marriage, one child, and she was here last year and it was great to have her here <laughs> because she wrote a lovely message on the book downstairs and I was dying to get her approval to see if I did it right, you know. But Ollie, um, Alfie rather, his youngest brother, he came here and he opened the door there and stood inside in the kitchen he said, let me alone for a while. Mm-hmm. And he said he was just eerie, he said, you brought it all back to him. You know, he was so emotional, he said, everything. You know, he felt like he was just back in his own house, you know. And he said, you did it too well. You know, he brought to tears. You know, I thought, I was very upset by that, you know. So, um, no, I think Frank put Limerick on the map for lots of reasons, good or bad. But I I think it was uh, so much so that a lot of people want to read the book and um, equate it with their own lives. And I think maybe that's why a lot of the books have been sold, because... It's a story that everybody could tell, but he wrote it um, so brilliantly, you know. Yeah. And he won the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. So a lot of people say, sorry, I could write that story. You know, everybody, <laughs> I could write that. I've been the stories, but you, you don't do it. Then. You know, a lot of people are great. Yeah, I could do something like that, you know. So it's just, it's amazing. I say yeah. it's a bit of jealousy as well. Mm. It has to be, you know. Mm. A man that grew up in the lanes and became such a famous on all these TV yeah. shows and whatever. Mm-hmm. That of his jealousy, I find, you know, which is a pity. I think a lot of people in Limerick knock other people who do well. Mm. How do you get the money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas other cities, well done. You know, yeah. that's great to do that, you know. <laughs> Whereas I find I've done this. And I don't feel any pride in sort of people saying, well done. I just feel I've, I've done it. Yeah. And... It's there to be seen and felt. Because I felt when I lived in Amsterdam, I went for three months and stayed for two years. Wow. I went to the Anne Frank's Museum and I felt that was oh, so... Yeah. My God, the feeling was just unbelievable. Mm. So I feel that when people come here, they can feel the misery, and the, especially the wintertime now. The wintertime with no electricity, you see, and you get a real feeling. And the only light... Actually, people keep turning that light off. You will say, think they're saving on electricity. What's gone? Oh. <laughs> Strange. Oh. They must be turning off the switch. Because this is automatic. Oh. Is it oh. on there? No. No. See? Case it's haunted. <laughs> oh, sure. It's a lightning ghost. Oh, oh there we go. <laughs> so you see, in Irish houses, that light is always lighting. Mm. You know? It's sort of, um, as Frank said, why is his heart so bursting? Why is his heart on fire? You're talking about the portrait of Jesus. The portrait of Jesus, of there, Jesus yeah, you yeah. know? And he actually, the very good story of his mother, he formed a soccer team. Actually, his school friend, Billy, was telling me. They had a soccer team, 
and they called it the burning hearts or sacred heart or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Because of that. But he <laughs> cut up his mother's only dress of red and they all made red hearts on their turns. And they didn't have jerseys. All they had was probably old jumpers or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. But the funny thing about yeah. it, they were only dressed, yeah. you know? <laughs> so we'll go down out to the classroom. Sure, yeah. Okay? We're leaving the bedroom in the kitchen. As you can see, this is the way he'd come into school. See the footprints? <laughs> Beautiful. And they're getting bigger and bigger as yeah. he gets older and older. Uh, and these are, this is actually the classroom, and it was divided into two. Yeah. One classroom each side. There are eight classrooms in total, two beyond that wall, and four down in the basement. And this is the way the side door. I'll show you the actual door that come in. This is the stairs that come in. Oh, wow. Wow. I would love to have an effect that kids are running up the mm. stairs and shouting and stuff, you know? Yeah. Another way of the special sound effect, but that's for another day, you know? Yeah. But it'd be great to open that to come up. Mm. But, you know, we'd, we'd man it. We don't have enough people to man it. Yeah. And this was my dream to do um, people inside, like bodies, like mannequins, but talking. Yeah. yeah. It'd be great, you yeah, know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Maliki drunk and he's singing his songs and Angela's giving out to him and, and Frank's got the book and stuff, you know? Oh, that would be, be amazing, to, yeah. That. These are kids you now that would have been in school at the same time as Frank, without shoes. And this is a cup of milk they'd get in the morning and a scone. Wow. And they'd normally stay back at lunchtime because they would have no second clothes to change into. Yeah. So it was warm and dry and they get more milk in and a scone. Yeah, so it was yeah, worthwhile yeah. staying back. And this is Frank here at school. And this is Billy, his friend. That's just outside the window here. And this is Frank. <laughs> this is the written instructions for corporal punishment by laid down by our government. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, may, actually amazing. And this is called a slapper. It's not a prostitute now, it's a slapper. Right? But actually really hurt you. And, yeah. and they get it on the tips. Oh. And that chair and the desk are 125 years old. Wow. That's the original headmaster's desk. And the clock. How did you get it? it was, That's what's happening. Aside, People right? bring them in. Yeah. You see? I only had two desks. And this is it, you know? And underneath here is the real floor, you know, floorboards. Yeah. But I have no money to bring them up properly. Yeah. So there's a little bit isolated there. I left people can judge it, you know, the floorboards yeah. that Frank would have sta stood on. Yeah. And this is the blackboard from the school. So things are coming back slowly, it's great, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> and of course, this is the dunce's desk. <laughs> yeah, which is great fun. <laughs> and then you have, um, these are some of the memorabilia. See, we have three books from I, I didn't realise they, they also wrote. Yeah, Maliki yeah. wrote, and Alfie wrote. wrote, and Frank wrote. Yeah. But all three different genres, you know. He's very verbose, and he's very timid. Mm. Oh, beautiful writing. But if you read all three, you get a feeling for the, of the father, what he really was like. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting. And then you have a badge that Frank had worn when he was delivering the telegrams. He didn't wear a uniform, it was only part-time. Yeah. So he wore that badge. And then you have up there some of Frank's ashes. Wow. And, and some of... Ma up there in that box. Frank wanted to leave some of his ashes in this building because it meant so much to him. That's beautiful. So, 
This is great fun. Changing from sadness to great fun. You can actually sketch. People sit there and you can sketch the person. It's great fun, you know. It's, it's good for kids. You see, it's interactive as well. Yeah, yeah. And then you have this glass case full of memorabilia. Like this is a diary a man kept. A guy in the picture over there about Angie McCourt home for his sister's funeral. There's ten diaries. And it's brilliant diaries. He's kept details of everything that happened in Limerick in the 1930s and 40s, which is brilliant. This is sad because the black feather was here the morning after Frank passing away. Most strange. Yeah. And a letter written to Angela from her husband. Very formal letter. Right? And the money we'd have when we were younger. Wow. They say when money was money. And this is the key for the front door. Wow. And this is Cyril the dancer, and they're Cyril with my husband and my mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. He didn't like Frank at all, you know. The headmaster's notebook, and a scone I made earlier. As a type of scone they have. And this book is a brilliant book because it's a certificate, it's a bit savings book. And it's all about Gleamy School, 1925, which is a great school. That's a great thing to have, because all our records in the called a building, the four courts in Dublin, where all our records were, they were burnt down during the Rising, which mm. is the revolution. So a lot of um, records were burnt, so yeah. that's a load of records. So the, I'm giving that to the, um, the government to copy from and do um, what you call it from, a disc, just to have it on file. So mm. it'd be great, because there's a load of information in that. These then are out Angela's Ashes, the story, biography, and a map of where to go and see the sites in Limerick of the story. And these are paintings I did. Wow. They relate to all uh, the story of Angela's Ashes, you know, the place where Frank would go on his bike yeah. to, um, to get away from Limerick, rainy Limerick. Yeah. It wasn't always raining in Limerick. <laughs> and this is the shop that he get the half-eaten bag of chips, do you remember? I remember it's all dropped. Yeah. Yep. This is the library, his love of reading began. And the church where his graveyard, where his twin brothers are buried. The shop, which is called the Never Never Shop, because you never had any money, <laughs> so you never paid. And this is the docks where he picked up the coal, remember yeah, the pram, yeah, yeah, with the baby in the pram? Yeah. And this is the hospital where he um, typhoid fever or something, or conjunctivitis, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That place next, next door to us, Vincent de Paul, that features a lot in the book. Yeah. But you should watch the musical, the musical is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. These are various places he lived, which are no more. This, some of his relations lived, and he thought they were well off. But in actual fact, they were worse off, because there's five stories and no news. Mm. It's like the tenements in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. This is the dispensary where all doctors and dentists came together and formed a committee yeah. to help poor children in Limerick. The railway station, where he waited for his father to come home and never came back. And then the post office where he worked. The graveyard where his mother's ashes are sprinkled. The church where he made his first tortoon and then dropped the Eucharist from his mouth and back to confession. The River Shannon that polluted everybody. Our building. South Pope where his father spent all the money. And the park where he played soccer and stuff. So it all relates. It's beautiful. Yeah. And then we're up to this corner then. This is actually when Andrew Sheehan went to New York the first time. Yeah. Right? So that's just registering in Ellis Island. And this is just a thing from the movie. This is a story written by um, one of his pupils. 
um, about the bust and being in Limerick. So that was the opening of the bust in Limerick. Mm. And then this series, grandparents on his father's side, and these are quotes from the book. They shouldn't be on the floor, it'd be up in the wall. This is actually Frank before he went to the stage at the age of 19. Wow. And Angela. And his father late in life, this is before he passed away, I'd say. Wow. Then you have him making his first first communion. And his friend again, Billy. And this is a, a, the gate from the house in Belfast. I found the house. And they were throwing it out, so I put it in the boot. My husband said, where are you going with the old gate? So I said, this is part of history, you know? And the only tap they had in the street for everybody. Wow. They didn't have the sinks in the kitchens, I thought. Wow. The coal man you worked for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And this is Ed's Ab Sheehan, his uncle. That's him. That's him. <laughs> it's great to wow. have that, isn't wow. it? Wow, that's an amazing picture. Yeah. It says it here, Ab Sheehan of your Vanger's Ashes. <laughs> and then this is actually the musical that was here a few years ago, and the recent ones here last year. This is interesting. This was a, a wedding dress from Canada, and it was cut down to make a communion dress. Communion is first communion week. Holy Church, the Catholic Church thing, and it served 19 different families. Wow, wow. And then this is his hidden collection of rosary beads. We reckon he was a closet Catholic. <laughs> they found those when he passed away. His, wow. his wife never knew, you know? Wow. So, um, and this is a plaque to Nimi. William Nimi, who left in 1843, he left 13,300 to build a school for both Protestants and Catholics to ed educate together but near the train would meet because the Catholic board would be six months and the Protestant board would be another six months and they'd never see eye to eye. Mm. So the, church, the, the money was left in 1814, but it was eventually built in 1843. Wow. There was so much wrangling going where they'd build it and what site. So Lady Hearthstone gave this site, you know, she was a friend of uh, Nimi. And, uh, it's very interesting reading. He's, I have his will and everything. Wow. He got his will and he got it transcribed, so it's great. Wow. I should really put that up as well, because that's great. And then here you've got the ink and the pen that Frank would have used in school. And we'd have had to keep in within those lines. Yeah. Right? Bow betide you, as they call it, if you got outside it. <laughs> and then these are um, individual gifts, that awards that Frank won. Wow. And Ellen, his widow, has been very kind to give it to us. Yeah. So it's great to have. And then you have a bit of fun again, see Frank's friend put your head in the guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> then this is the, um, the cap and gown when it was conferred in the University of Limerick. Wow. An honorary degree of literature. And it's a lovely message on the back here to Uma. For Una with love for a great, beautiful force. <laughs> that was even before I did this, so wow, I don't really, wow. I don't know what to say after that. You know? <laughs> so, uh, this is where we show the DVD of um, Frank walking and talking with Limerick, you know? Great. These are some of my paintings here. You're fantastic, and you have such great material to work with. Yeah, it's great. Traveling around it? Ireland, I mean. Isn't it fabulous? Where have you been? Uh, we've come from Dublin to Waterford. Oh, we went down Wall. all the way down on the little... Yeah, Cork and uh, Port McGee, Wild Atlantic Is it Way. fabulous? And, oh, so, so nice. How long have you spent traveling? Two weeks. Well, we, just one week this yeah. time so far. We have one more. 
And, and where are you going next? We, we came in October for a month, actually. And October? we actually. October? Why did you come in October? It was, for? It was perfect for us. We love the <laughs> yeah. fall, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, the weather so, must be miserable. Well, well, we, we it missed, was great. It was very foggy. Yeah. It was perfect for us, but we missed Skellig Michael. Or you wouldn't be allowed out. Of course. Yeah. So that, that's why we came oh, back. Oh, came back. Yeah, and a couple other reasons. So. Well in advance now to get out yes. there. Oh, yeah. How long ago did you book? It was like four months, months ahead of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with the money out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's full. Absolutely full. That's fantastic. <laughs> you went from Dingle or Port McGee? From Port McGee. Port McGee. Which yeah. I love. The, the Kerry Clips, I think, are my yeah. favorite. Fantastic. Place in Actually, Ireland, I should so. give you a little gift now when you're going because of the Kerry Coast. But when I saw your painting of Doolin, I just immediately recognized it before I read it because really? I love that spot, that, that little corner spot. We had it looks seafood. It's like a fairy village. It does, but that yeah. little cafe. That's my friend's the cafe. Best. Oh, yeah. Is it the best Tell them there's the best seafood chowder that I've That's ever had fantastic. in my life. It was amazing, the yeah. chunks of salmon. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it brought me back. Your painting just. Made me feel so good. I know, Julian is lovely. And did you spend the night there? or We stayed in Milltown Malbay. Uh, oh, Milltown Malbay with great music. Yes, yes. Every pub. Yes. Yeah. And actually, where are you going next now? Uh, Galway. Oh, Galway. You yeah. should go to the Iron Islands. Oh, we, we, we went, went there. We went oh, last went? time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, to Inishir. Inishir. We saw the, the boat. The we started watching uh, Father Ted and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, my favorite island is Inish Man. It's the smallest of the three, okay. and it's fabulous. It's oh. where Singh spent time writing his books, yeah. like Playboy, The Western World, okay. Rise of the Sea, all these stories, you know. Yeah. But it's it's fabulous because it's in between the two, and it's not commercial. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You yeah. know, the others are commercial. Even Inish here is nice though. Yeah. I wouldn't like Inish more. Yeah, yeah, Inish yeah. Inish more is too commercial. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna definitely come back throughout our lives. Come tomorrow, though. We're going to actually after to Galway. To yeah, 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 yeah. And would yeah. you go across then from Galway to Dublin as a fly mm -hmm. home? Yes. Yeah. So you should, go to, you should go to Donegal, though. Yeah. You'd never get to Donegal, which I know. We're gonna do a separate trip. Just we're saving the north, the north to do it. Oh, that's be huge. Someday, yeah. yeah. Because the north of, of Ireland is just exquisite. Mm. Yeah. There's some we're trying to do all the islands around Ireland, John, my husband, myself, mm. yeah. and we've done a few. We've only done about ten, but we want to do most of them. But the islands are fantastic. So nice. Oh, they yeah. are brilliant. Another world, yeah. totally other world. Yeah. And from the top of Ireland to the south, they're totally different people. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Some of them are very strange. Some of them, <laughs> you know, interbreeding. John says, you know, they're very, they look at you as if they're aggressive. You know, in mm. one island we didn't like particular, but most of them are fabulous. You have to get to know them. Yeah. Whereas I spent two weeks on that island and um, painting, and it's only when you get to know them. Like I know all mm. these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's only when you get to know them they they take um, relax in your company. Yeah. Whereas yeah. they think you're just in flicking photographs and going. Mm. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what do you think of the classroom now? It's fantastic. Yeah. It's so magical. I mean, it's uh, it's strange. My classroom was similar to that. Was it? Actually, really? outside Chicago. Yeah, I went to a really old school. Oh, really. It had the same feel. Wow. So. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, but uh, but y your painting is just like my project. You know, I'm trying to approach strangers and mm. convert those encounters into something deeper. You know, like uh, get people to open up to me and share their their lives. And yeah. it's, it's an interesting 
skill to get people to open up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and have empathy as well with the person telling the story and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I actually I'd love to take just a few minutes and no interview problem. you yeah. about you also. Maybe yeah. I'll do a, a separate episode yeah. just about you. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> We did exactly that. Look for Una's story on an upcoming episode. Thank you so much, Una, for starting such a wonderful tribute to Frank, bringing his story so vividly to life, and taking so much time to sit with me. You're a treasure. If you don't mind, I'd like to share a worthy cause. My brother and his wife started Weston's Fund to raise money to help cover the medical costs of families who lose children to stillbirth and miscarriage. You can donate by visiting their website, westonsfund.org. That's Weston with an I, W-E-S-T-I-N-S-F-U-N-D dot O-R-G, westonsfund.org. I'll post a link to their website on my website for the Observer Effect podcast, and also, you'll find a link to the Frank McCourt Museum in Limerick, which you should definitely go visit. Thank you so much for listening.